covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as uh, the Brewers are playing some pretty good baseball right now. Uh, they are back at seven games above 500 as we are recording this on Sunday night after they were able to sweep through a four-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Seven games above 500 matches the high water mark. They were at 17 and 10 right at the beginning of May. At that point, that was the best record in the National League. They don't have the best record in the National League right now, but I certainly feel like there's maybe more reasons to be optimistic about the way the team is playing right now as compared to when they were 17-10. and 10. We'll get into more of that coming up uh, later on. Our housekeeping items, here we are at the top of the podcast. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, Twitter's the best way to do it, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and want to leave a ranking and review, that's fantastic. And if you don't subscribe, you can subscribe, and that would be awesome as well. Hope you're still uh, finding this podcast. Obviously, if you're listening to it, you are. The uh, This podcast feed is a little bit more busy now that it includes the uh, Brewers Extra Innings post-game shows. That's something that we just started podcasting here over the last uh, few weeks or so, and also including just the highlights segment as well. If you haven't caught that, uh, if you ever can't listen to a game, or if you want to go back and you know, maybe you watch the game on TV, but you want to hear all the highlights, we have a highlight segment in the post-game show, and as much as I would love for you to listen to the entire post-game show, as much as I would love for you to listen to the entire post-game show live when it's actually on the radio, you can... Uh, get it on demand and we uh we separate out uh, not separate out it's still inside the full uh, full show podcast but we do also include just the highlight segment as its own thing in case you ever just want to hear back how the game went uh as we use the highlights with uh bob Euchre and jeff levering and lane grindle and uh, that's part of the post game show on an every uh every night basis um this week on the podcast, our featured guest is going to be Brian D. He is the uh, sports anchor on Wisconsin's Morning News on WTMJ. Somehow, this is the first time that we've gotten him on this podcast. That will, will not be the last. Um, but was really motivated this week. Uh, wanted to talk Brewers with him, and we certainly do talk Brewers. But he's been doing something really, really cool. He's been spearheading a WTMJ Cares effort, uh, which is uh, one of the uh, one of the things WTMJ has done for years and years and years, where one host uh, has some sort of organization or cause or charity, whatever it might be, that is close to their heart, and uh, they spearhead a campaign trying to raise money for that organization. And Brian is in the middle. I believe this is his first WTMJ Cares, if I have that right, and he's working with the Miracle League, which is an amazing organization that has a profound impact on people's lives using the sport of baseball. So, uh, we'll talk baseball, but we're also going to talk Miracle League coming up uh, a little bit later on. So uh, hopefully you'll be tuned in for that and, and listen to the message and listen to what he has to say. I know uh, the people who listen to this podcast, it's a little bit different audience uh, than the folks who uh, always listen to things on WTMJ. So we might be introducing this to you uh, for the first time. And if we are, hopefully you'll listen and hear what he has to say. And uh, if you feel moved to uh, help out the cause, that would be uh, that would be pretty darn cool. All right, um, let's, let's look back at this past week because... Really, the Brewers are, they're not just winning, but they're winning in a way that, I've talked about sustainability a lot this year, specifically when it comes to pitching, because what Brewers starting pitching is doing, specifically with three guys, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, 
I've used the term, and, and I'm not the only one. A lot of people have used the term, uh, you know, not sustainable. And I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder if that is a true statement or not. Uh, and are we deep enough into the season where what these starting pitchers are doing is really some version of what they are going to do through the entire course of the season? Now, specifically to the ERA, you know, all you got to do, everybody has a bad outing at some point. You're, you're always, you know, one bad outing away from your ERA being elevated and you not being able to all, bring it all the way back down. So as, as I'm, as I'm recording, Corbin Burns has a 1.97 ERA. Brandon Woodruff has a 1.42 ERA. Are each of those guys going to keep those ERAs in that neighborhood? Eh, I, I don't know. Um, but that does that mean that they're not going to continue to pitch at the high level that they're pitching at? And that's the most important part of this. And I would, I would argue that I feel like that it's deep enough into the season. This is not a, this is not a small sample size anymore. There absolutely is the potential and the opportunity for those guys to continue to pitch at a really high, elite, uh, all-star, maybe even Cy Young award level. And it's really fun to see. It's special to see. Brandon Woodruff had an outing this past week where he went five innings, giving up two runs, and that was a bad outing for him. Craig Council said after that game that you know that's a good start because if that's your if that's what your worst start then that just shows you how good you have been and not every pitcher is going to be 100% locked in on an every single game basis so these guys continue to go out and perform at a really high level and then from an offensive standpoint and this is you know, I mentioned earlier they're at that 7 games above 500 which is the previous high water mark and a question that I actually asked on my post-game show after Sunday's win and the series finale was, do you feel better about the Brewers now or do you feel better about the Brewers when they were 17-10? and 10? And for me, it's a no-brainer. I think you have to feel, you don't have to, you can feel however way you want to feel. But for me, it's a no-brainer for me, I feel better at where they're at right now. If for no other reason, because they're scoring runs. Now let's not run away from the fact that this team is still continuing to very much struggle from an offensive standpoint. It's it's not good. Batting average-wise, it is not good. They are hitting 211. They are the second-worst team in all of Major League Baseball, and they are by far the worst team in the National League. We're not going to sugarcoat those numbers. Here's what I will say. You don't always score runs by having a high batting average. Now, generally, teams with a high batting average are going to score more runs, but that's it's not always the cause and effect. And if this is going to be a Brewers team that's going to hit a high number of home runs, as all of a sudden they have, I believe it's is it 16 home runs in their last five games, 16 home runs in the last six games? I have to look at it. It's, that's the neighborhood. That's the neighborhood that they're in. I think it's 16 and 6, because I think it was 14 and 5 going into, uh, in, into Sunday's game. Now, again, we talk about sustainability. And we talked about that a moment ago with pitching. Is are you going to go hit three home runs a game every game for the rest of the season? No, that's that's not going to happen. But can you hit a bunch of home runs? Can you especially hit a bunch of home runs on in your home ballpark? I think you can. And in a baseball world where it's tough to string hits together, it's tough to put together rallies. 
This is uh, this is a, this is the way this team is going to score runs. So I'm not I'm not overly interested in the team batting average. To be perfectly honest with you, it's not good. I'd like to see it be better. I think it is going to be better. I think I'm going to evaluate the team more, uh, kind of on a month by month basis on where the where the team batting average is at. When you go when you're basically a 200 hitting team through the first two months of the season, it's it's not easy to dig out of that. So they can be a respectable offensive club moving forward, and that still doesn't mean that they're going to have a very good batting average overall for the season. But it's more about scoring runs. And you win baseball games by scoring runs and by preventing runs. Now people out there are going to say they're too reliant on the home run, and that that only becomes an issue when you're not hitting home runs, right? And that's that's kind of what it was. They were not hitting home runs at the pace that they would have liked to have been uh, through the first two months of the season. It's picked up here recently, but if you if that is how you're going to score runs, well, then all of a sudden, if you go into a little bit of a power drought, you're not going to be scoring that many runs. This team, I, I got a text message on the postgame show on Sunday, again, asking about bunting and sacrificing and small ball and trying to scratch across runs. Like the the and I'm not I'm not. I'm like 99% anti-bunt. I'm not 100% of the time anti-bunt. I still think there is the occasional place where putting down a bunt makes sense, what the run scoring environment might be, who's at the plate is obviously a very important thing. You know, Keston Hero put down a bunt recently that helped the team win a game. That's a fantastic chance to put down a bunt because no disrespect meant to Keston Hira. Guy was hitting a, you know, a buck 30 striking out better than 50% of the time. You, you put the bunt down, There's if, if the odds say that this guy's going to strike out in this at bat, well, if you put the bunt down, at least you're moving the runner over. So it makes sense in that situation because what are you giving up? In all likelihood, you're giving up uh, a, a very good chance of a player striking out. So that makes sense in that situation. It doesn't make sense in every situation. If you've got a guy at the plate who can do a little bit of damage, you know the, the run expectancy when you put bunts down, it drops. That's the that that's the the bottom line on this. So, um, yeah, I got that text message. Oh, do they need to bump more to be able to scratch across more runs? And and the answer is no. It's not because even if you bump more, that doesn't mean you're still that doesn't give you a higher percentage chance of getting a base hit eh, with whoever's coming up to the plate next. That you might and you know you bunt a runner from first to second and you happen to get a base hit with the next guy. Then yeah, that bunt worked in the sense that helped you score a run. But really, how often is that going to happen? You know, look at Sunday's game. Sunday's game was, um, it was something. Corbin Burns had 13 strikeouts. As a team, Brewers pitchers had 16 strikeouts. Arizona pitchers had 11 strikeouts. That's 27 strikeouts between the the two pitching staffs. Now, if you've been following along this past week, there's been a lot made of Major League Baseball getting ready to really crack down on foreign substances. Uh, there was a fantastic article written uh in Sports Illustrated or on SI.com about the, the foreign substances and would encourage you to go find that story because it was it was damning, to be perfectly honest with you, and some of the things that were, were being said. And reportedly what's going to happen now is umpires are going to be doing spot checks of pitchers when they come off the mound multiple times per game. And basically there's going to be a, a scouting report, for lack of a better term, on all of these pitchers based off video evidence, knowing if they are using foreign substances, this is where they are putting it. They're putting it 
under their armpit. They're putting it uh, under their glove. They're putting or under their you know the bill of the hat, or they're putting it in the palm of the glove, like wherever it might be. Major, there's, there's video everywhere, right? So if you really want to focus in and watch a pitcher and watch what they're doing, the pitchers that um, there's a there's a feeling that there's a suspicion that they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. There's going to be scouting reports that the umpires are going to receive essentially on all of these different pitchers, and they're going to um. They're, they're going to check them out. So I, I don't know how much that's going to change the game, and I don't know if strikeouts are going to go way down because of that. You know, the, the 27 strikeouts, and I'm not accusing anybody who was involved in this Brewers-Diamondbacks game of, of using any type of foreign substance, but the only point I'm making is there's a ton of strikeouts right now, and there are a lot of people in baseball who believe a certain percentage of those strikeouts are directly connected to foreign substances being used. So if Major League Baseball is going to crack down on foreign substances, how much is that going to impact striking out? Good question. You know, But I'll say this too. If all of a sudden strikeouts are less a part of the game, to me, that makes the bunt even more something that you don't want to do. Because right now, one of the few times that I think it might make a little bit of sense to actually put a bunt down is when you've got kind of a, a soft-hitting, singles-hitter kind of guy or somebody who just doesn't hit well who also strikes out a ton and you really need to get a runner into scoring position, well, if there's now less of a chance of that player striking out and maybe putting uh, the bat on the ball and at the very least maybe moving the runner over with a ground ball, then then there's even less of a reason to bunt. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how we got down this uh, this path and say there was a whole lot of strikeouts in, in Sunday's game. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see changing the way the Brewers play uh, all of a sudden being the the thing that's going to result in more run scoring opportunities or more runs uh, being scored. I do, And to be fair, to be totally fair, I think over the couple, last couple weeks, the Brewers' approach at the plate has been significantly better. I was talking about this with Craig Kishon, though, on our postgame show, and he made the point, and he's right. It's a whole lot easier to talk about the approach at the plate looking better when a team is winning games. You know, going back to that Sunday game, the Brewers were still 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. I don't think I gave that number in my postgame show. I don't think I ever once mentioned 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position for two reasons. Reason number one, so were the Diamondbacks. Uh, I guess three reasons. Reason number two, the pitching was the number one story. And then reason number three, and the most important reason, the Brewers won the game. They scored enough runs. They got a couple solo home runs, so they didn't need to hit with runners in scoring position to be able to, uh, to score those runs. So that part of the uh, box score all of a sudden became less and less important. Last thing on this, and then we'll get to our conversation with Brian D. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Brewers have such a good record since they went out and acquired Willie Adamas. Um he has he has really done a nice job for the Brewers, hitting close to 270. The three home runs, the 11 RBIs, and OPS now at 8:37 as we're recording this on Sunday night. It's been uh and, and the energy that he has brought. That's kind of been one of the things we've heard from Craig Council, from coaches, from other players, just talking over and over and over about the energy that is being brought uh, by Willie Adamas, and it's something that seemingly the team really really needed, and they have it now, and we'll see. Again, 
Going back to sustainability. We'll see how sustainable that is, but no reason to believe that it won't be. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this week's featured conversation. Uh, He is the morning sports anchor on Wisconsin's Morning News, which airs uh, every weekday morning from uh, 5 a.m., bright and early at 5 a.m. As somebody who fills in on this show on occasion when uh, when he needs a day off, I'm very familiar with with how early it is. Uh, He does mornings on WTMJ. He is on Twitter at BrianJD. That's B-R-Y-A-N. J-D-E-E. Brian D. uh, joins us uh, right now. We'll talk Brewers baseball. We'll also talk about uh, his uh, great efforts that uh, he's got going on right now with WTMJ Cares um, with the Miracle League, which is just awesome, awesome, awesome. Brian, thanks so much for uh, doing this. How are you? No, thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me to talk about Miracle League. This is so cool. Uh, I I deserve no thanks for what's going on and all the positive momentum we've got around this WTMJ Cares campaign. This is all about these kids, so I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I wanted to get you on because of that, and we I probably should have gotten you on beforehand, but I I saw all the work that you've been doing with this and the different stories and everything. It's been it's been really really cool. So certainly encourage people to stick around. Uh, We're going to touch on that a lot towards the end because Brian's involved in a super cool uh, initiative part of the WTMJ. J cares program uh, that WTMJ does, but Brian, we'll talk a little Brewers baseball before we uh, yeah. before we get to that. And uh, we were talking off air before we started the interview. Right now, they're doing what they're supposed to do because they're in this streak of games against teams that are below 500. It started uh, with Washington, then it went to Detroit, uh, now Arizona. They've only lost one of these games in these three series. That's when they split the two-gamer uh, against Detroit. And it's I've, The question I had on my post-game show on Sunday for fans was they were seven games above 500 to start the month of May. They're seven games above 500 now. Which seven games above 500 do you feel better with? So I'll I'll put that question to you. Do you feel better now, or do you feel better when the month of May got started? Yeah, I certainly think I feel better now because the offense finally starts to feel like it's producing a little bit, right? And I, I don't know if it's the warm weather. I don't know if it's being a couple of months into the season and feeling more comfortable. I don't know if it's Christian Yelich, just his presence and being healthy for the first time. Maybe it's all the above, but it feels like they're finally starting to hit home runs. They're finding, finally start, starting to score runs. It finally feels like they're not so reliant on the starting pitching where you're trying to win games 2-1 to one and squeeze out victories. I just think at this point in the season, and this feels more like a contending baseball team than it did a month ago. And the, the great news is the starting pitching hasn't wavered one bit. If anything, it's gotten better. Uh, the only hiccup was obviously Corbin missing some time because he tested positive for COVID-19. But Brandon Woodruff's been ridiculous. Corbin with another terrific outing in his last start out uh, with a career-high 13 Ks. Freddie Peralta takes a no-no into the eighth this week. It just feels like it's gotten better, and the offense has gotten better too. So I certainly feel better now than I did a month ago with the seven games above my uh, above 500 for yeah, sure. So many things to touch on. Let's start with the pitching a little bit. Brandon Woodruff the other day went five innings and gave up two runs, which is a perfectly fine start, and that's a bad start for him. Uh-huh. That, it, it, that, and it's more than even the numbers that he's putting up when he's doing well, the fact that that's considered a not-so-good start for him is so telling of how dominant he has been. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, I, you know, Matt, you've covered the team for a long time. I've been around Milwaukee for a decade now. I think back to, like, 2014, 2015, where we were having conversations on the radio and on podcasts about quality starts. You know what I mean? Like, that was what we were looking for from starting pitching. It was like, who's going to give the Brewers their next quality start? Or are we going to have to turn it over to a middle reliever in the fourth inning again for the seventh consecutive game? And now the fact that, you know, you've got three guys – that you can count on to get you deep 
and turn it over to, to Devin Williams and Josh Hader, bang, bang, and it's game over. That's something that, you know, the Brewers haven't had in their arsenal in a very, very long time. And it's great now. It's going to be even better in the postseason if the Brewers can make it there. And I think we're all hopeful that they will for, for the fourth consecutive year. But when you get into those series and you feel like you can, uh, you know, be comfortable uh, in three games, bang, 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 and then have to potentially start a guy on short rest if you want to, uh, that's a great luxury to have in Major League Baseball that not a lot of teams have. So uh, it's really awesome how the starting pitching has been terrific. And I think Brandon Woodruff is that type of guy. He's that that workhorse of a pitcher where if you get into a, a, a game four on the road in the playoffs and you got to start a guy on three days rest mm -hmm. Woody's the type of guy that you feel comfortable giving the ball to in that sort of situation so I think it's an exciting proposition now heading into the summer uh, it's an even more exciting proposition I think it should be for Brewers fans come October something that has surprised me a little bit is the leeway that Craig Council has had with his three main starters and Woodruff uh, Burns and Peralta we've seen Woodruff uh, be pushed well past 100 pitches the other day when Peralta was flirting with the no hitter he goes past 100 in Sunday's game, Burns is sitting at 97, and he goes to bat uh, so he can come back out for for a seventh inning. And it's I've got this kind of philosophy that I was thinking through today. So the Brewers, because they were so concerned about pitch counts coming off the 60-game season last year, have gone to a six-day rotation. So with the six-day rotation, everybody's getting an extra day off. It feels like there's now this allowance to let guys go deeper so it's almost in a really weird roundabout way being worried about pitch counts has resulted in pitch counts being higher because the six-day rotation was what brought that first on it's kind of interesting the other thing I've noticed, too, and you sparked my mind saying that, is Craig Council has said a couple of different times in this young season so far that he's not hesitant or uh, concerned about using Josh Hader in any situation. Like, we've seen him throw Josh Hader in the back end of the bullpen back-to-back -back nights, or if he has a, a longer outing on one night, Craig Council is not necessarily afraid to go to him the next night. And I think that is something we haven't seen in past seasons. He's been a little more cautious to use Hader on back-to-backs and uh, just, you know, keeping him fresh for the latter portion of the season. This year, that hasn't been the case. Craig Council's been really open about it. And I'm curious, curious if it's because of what you just talked about, that the starting pitching has been so much better. They are going deeper into games. They do have more rest. So uh, in a weird roundabout byproduct, as you phrased it, Josh Hader is going to be fresher regardless in terms of pitch count by the end of the season than he would be even last year or previous year. So I think it it all you know gels together into this dominant pitching staff that we've seen through two or three months of the season here. I think the Hader stuff is also connected to their, they seem so committed right now to him being a one-inning guy. Yeah. In the past, he's, one day he'll go pitch one inning, and then the next day you'll need seven outs recorded by him. And he had such – with that, and it was a really great weapon to have. In some ways you miss the fact that you can't have two outs in the seventh inning and just hand it to Hayter and let him finish it off. But with that – you did that, and all of a sudden he wasn't available for three days. And I think you look at some of his numbers, whether it's the home runs that gave up or his inability to to use some of the secondary pitches as much as he would have liked, that could be very much connected to he did not have a defined role. Well, now he has a defined role. He's a one-inning closer, and with that, you can pitch him in back-to-back -back days. I think he's been used three days in a row once this year. Uh, those are those are things you can do, and it definitely uh, it, it puts things more in order more often, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, 24 games so far this season that, that he's pitched in, and in 2019, we'll throw last year out, 
because obviously it was the, the short 60-game season. But in 2019, he threw in 61 games. He's a third of the way there already, right? It, it feels uh, like you know he's still going to be fresh by the end of the season where that's such an incredible luxury to have come playoff time. And I, it, it's June 6th when we're recording this. Um, it, the playoffs seem a long way off, but you can start gearing yourself up mentally when you have this type of baseball team. Uh, and it all adds up to a potential deep run in September and October uh, if they can get there, which is super exciting. Yeah, in some ways, I don't think it's too early to be talking about the playoffs for two reasons. Reason number one, this one-month stretch, they're going from May 28th against Washington until June 28th against Chicago, probably without playing a team above 500. Cincinnati's a game below right now, so maybe they sneak above 500 some point but as it sits right now they're not above 500 so you take care of business in this month you don't make the postseason but you can put yourself in really good position and then we're we're less than two months away from the trade deadline and i think Mm -hmm. they they need more bullpen pitching and they got to find more production at first and third and whether they get those things internally or externally you got to think those needs are going to be sitting there and both of those things i think do correlate to what's going to potentially happen for a postseason run yeah, and the next month here, as you mentioned, the, the sub-500 teams, I asked David Stearns about that last week on Wisconsin's Morning News. We have him every Thursday morning, and I said, you know, there's this old adage in Major League Baseball that everybody wins 60, everybody loses 60, and it's what you do with the other 40 that kind of differentiates the great teams from the bad teams. And this is a huge stretch where the Brewers can pick up, what, 15, 20 potentially wins uh, over the course of a month if they play well. And David Stearns says, look, like it, we've had stretches like this in the past where you feel like you're going to go out and be successful over the course of a month's time looking at the calendar looking at the schedule and the, the caliber of teams you're playing but you still have to go out and execute every day and the fun part of the first i don't know week week and a half of this month run against sub 500 teams is the brewers are nine and one which is huge they're off to a great start so uh you're right it all adds up to um you know, the trade deadline. And if you can be a buyer as opposed to a seller, that's big time. And that sets you up, um, you know, for that last month, month and a half of the season to, to not only be competing for a wild card berth, but for an NL Central title and getting yourself right into a series, which is what everybody wants around here. You mentioned the conversations with David Stearns and Craig Council that you and yeah. Gene and everybody have on Wisconsin's morning news. Um, that's a that's a different dynamic that you have with them because even though there's multiple people there, it's more of a one-on-one type setting as opposed to the Zoom sessions or the even the standard press conferences pre-COVID. Do you do you notice? Are you able to tell like if if things are stressful, if things are not going well, like whether it's Council or Stearns, are they just always the same, or do you, are you ever able to sense that maybe there's a little more going on? Oh, there, you can definitely sense it um, because we try to treat them more like conversations. And um, sometimes I take flack from fans on this in the morning show. We get the text line fired up. I know you do the same on uh, Brewers Extra Innings. Um, but we'll take flack for asking them stuff not about baseball. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll try and do that sometimes with Counselor, with David Stearns. Uh, on weeks where the Brewers are struggling. And obviously they went through a stretch, uh, you know, in the first stretch of the season here where the runs weren't coming. You, you kind of want to break them out of their shell a little bit. But to answer your question, yeah, you can certainly sense when things are, are good and when things are bad. And um, particularly with Stearns this year in the early portion of the season, you could tell his wheels were spinning a little bit to try and figure out the offensive side of things. And on top of that, uh, you know, there was a four or five week stretch there, Matt, where, where every single time we had them on for our weekly interview, 
we had to ask about Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. And it was exhausting for us. You could tell it was exhausting for them and exasperating for them because they didn't have the answers and Christian didn't have the answers. And, um, you know, they seem to have figured something out, which is great. But, uh, yeah, you can certainly tell when things are not going great, when they have to, you know, have their work cut out for them. And Stearns was stressing a lot. You could tell uh, when, you know, they made a, a flurry of moves and roster moves and trades and uh, sending guys up and sending guys get down when the offense was struggling. Like, it, you can tell when it wears on them. They're human beings, and they're, they're trying to do their jobs to their best of their ability. And uh, it, it's more fun this time of year, and they're more willing to ask stupid questions about, um, you know, what drinks they would order from Trevor Richards at the Tropical Tailgate and things like that when, when the – baseball is good on the field so you can certainly tell there was one day where you took a screenshot of the text line which yeah. i i am so tempted to take screenshots of the text line so <laughs> often and i i don't do it and maybe i should i don't know i mean some of the stuff that comes in is is wild so somebody was criticizing you and uh, you and gene about the question so i thought maybe you guys got off the rails a little bit which can happen like you just alluded to and then i went back and listened to the interview and like it was it was 99 baseball like yeah. i know you guys can get a little crazy sometimes with them i didn't hear anything that morning so i, I don't know what they were listening to you know what I, and you know what i sent back to that fan i didn't just screenshot him and put him on blast on social media which i would i would have happily done but i responded i said listen next tuesday when we have craig on we have him on the same time every tuesday it's at 8 15 so prior to 8 15 next tuesday text me three or four questions you want me to ask him and i will very very happily pass them along to the brewers manager i will give you an open line to the manager of your milwaukee brewers and i got radio silence back so i don't think that guy was expecting that have you ever tried calling somebody back from the text line no, man, I want to do that. That would be fun to do live on the air and just see what comes back because that's the scary part about the text line. People are very, very open to voicing their opinions because they're just, you know, they're just uh, Twittering away behind the keys and texting away and you don't have to put a face or a name on it. It could just be a phone number. But if you actually put somebody on the air and called them by name, I think they'd be a little more hesitant with their opinions. So that stuff's always fun for us to toy around with. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story with you yes, and for the listeners. So there was a guy who texted all the time he was mean mm-hmm. he was really mean and I, I it was just every day and then there was a time where actually something happened where I was in the wrong I was doing afternoon sports on Wisconsin's afternoon news and I wasn't able to get to uh, the live studio in in time because of some stuff I had going on in the day so the first two uh, casts were pre-recorded I think it was a Friday because the Cubs were playing day baseball that day so I previewed everything going on in the NL Central that night except for the Cubs because they were playing as it was going on and those were going to sure. be pre-recorded and he sent a text message like just going off on me for not mentioning the Cubs score because he, he didn't know it was recorded let me say this very rarely is anything pre-recorded this is right. Something that was a rare situation. So he was right. Like it looked bad. So I was like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to call this guy up and just explain what happened, and maybe that's going to soften him a little bit, so I don't have to just deal with like these horrible things being said to me every day. So I call the guy. I say, "Hey, is whoever here?" And this guy goes, "Nope." And like I said, well, is this person ever here? And the person, he would not admit to being this person and said I was the wrong number. I'm like, well, I get uh, text messages on the WTMJ text line. Uh, is Are you sure this isn't this person? And just would not engage with me. And then the next day sends me the worst message in the history I've ever seen going off wow. on me, saying he was going to come after me. How dare I call him? He was going to call my boss. He was going to make it his life's work to make sure that I don't work in this job anymore. Oh. And I Googled his phone number after that. 
police reports started coming up. <laughs> this guy had been arrested multiple times. So that is the last time that I am ever going to. So people should know if you call, if you text into the text line, your phone number is sitting right there. It's oh, not yeah. like this secret information. Well, I, I don't want to discourage people from interacting with us either because 99% of people are super cool. Yeah. The interactions are fun. And then you, you always get the one bad apple that has a, a laundry list of police activity readily available on the internet. Yeah, that was not fun. So, all right. Um, before I let you go, we talked about it earlier. This is really cool. And so for people who don't know, because we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who maybe are not in Wisconsin, uh, don't listen to WTMJ the rest of the day. Uh, at WTMJ, we have this cool program called WTMJ Cares. And our different hosts uh, all have things that are near and dear to their heart. And a few times a year, we we go through a, a campaign and try to raise some money for some really cool organizations or, uh, or campaigns, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and you're in the middle of one right now. And I encourage people to go WTMJ.com. You can just go to, uh, the, I, think it's the, I think it's the promo drop-down menu. It goes to WTMJ Cares Miracle League. Is that right? Yeah, the easiest way to do it, there's actually on the top right corner of the, the homepage of WTMJ.com, there's a little icon for WTMJ Cares for the Miracle League of Milwaukee. It's right there on the homepage in the top right portion, almost by the listen live part. Um, so it, it's right there. And man, what a cool organization. And, you know, I, I I knew some things, obviously, about the Miracle League and the Miracle League of Milwaukee going into this. But um, learning how impactful this organization has been for families and kids in our city over the course of the last month, month and a half, as I've been fortunate enough to chat with some of these amazing athletes and their families, um, has just taken my care and appreciation for this organization to an entirely different level. Um, for those who don't know what the Miracle League is, it's basically a little league for kids with special needs. Um, so there is a, a rubberized cushion field on the north side of Milwaukee that allows kids with special needs to play baseball. Um, and, you know, it, it's been so cool to chat with some of the athletes. They're so inspiring, so brave to get out there and be kids. The other cool part of this for me, Matt, has been speaking with their families because as cool and rewarding as it is for the kids to go out there and play baseball and be a kid uh, just like the rest of us, and they are normal kids just like the rest of us, uh, it, it's a reprieve for their families too because – it's hard to care for a, a child with special needs 365 days a year nonstop. And the fact that these families have the opportunity for an hour a week to go out there and watch their kid be the star of the show and also get a little bit of rest. And it, the whole thing is just so cool and so impactful for everybody involved. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to represent the organization and uh, advocate for the, these great people. And they need your support. Just 35 bucks. Um, you know, supports an athlete for an entire season. So uh, it's not a huge price to pay to make uh, somebody smile and give them an experience of a lifetime out there in Miracle in Milwaukee. It's just been so cool to be a, a part of. You mentioned just their opportunity to be a kid. And I, I hear it so often when you're talking about whether it's kids in hospitals, kids with special needs, whatever it might be going on. If there's if there's this constant reminder, maybe they're maybe they're in a wheelchair, maybe they need crutches, maybe there's some uh, some sort of mechanism that helps them breathe, like whatever it might be. There's so many different ailments uh, that that kids can can be anybody can be dealing with, but a kid needs to have that experience to be a kid. And when all of a sudden they're out there playing a ball game, whatever it might be, all of a sudden you forget about all that other stuff, and you're just like every other kid in the world. And I think when you talk about things that are powerful in this world. I don't think it gets much more powerful than that. 
Yeah, for sure. And there's been a common theme in speaking with some of the athletes. And I've been fortunate to speak with with three or four families. And um, every single Miracle League athlete that I've spoken with in their family, they have brothers and sisters that have played youth sports, that have been involved in Little Leagues. And of course, you know, if you've had siblings, you've sat through many hours long Little League games that you probably didn't want to be at in the first place. Um and it's, it's even harder for some of these kids with special needs because not only do they have to be there through hours and hours of their brothers and sisters' games, but they, they really know that they, they don't have the, the same opportunities to get out there and play. And this entirely flips the script mm-hmm. where the Miracle League is providing them the opportunity to get out on the field, them the opportunity to be the star of the show, and their siblings come along and support them, which is just such a, such a special thing and makes them uh, just feel like the center of the world for a lot of times the first time in their lives. So the Miracle League is doing such cool things here in Milwaukee, and it's been such a fun organization to support an easy organization to support you've alluded to it in a way but as, as you've talked to these family members and to the different athletes is there any moment or any any you know statement that's really struck you especially yeah for sure um you know th- a couple of the athletes that i've spoken with are nonverbal. um so their their special needs don't allow them to to speak on a podcast like you and i are speaking right now um but they communicate through their ipads um, so they're able to think, obviously, they're able to write, they're able to, uh, you know, have have thoughts and talk about Miracle League. They just can't articulate them the same way that you or I could. So these six, seven, eight-year-old kids that are Miracle Leaguers are using technology to talk about the Miracle League, and they're getting on the radio. That's That's inspiring to me. Like, the fact that they're overcoming an obstacle, they can't speak, but they're still communicating to the masses on WTMJ just gives me chills thinking about it right now. It's the coolest thing in the world that they are promoting the Miracle League, something that's meant so much to them, and they want to get other special needs kids, other families involved is incredible. And, you know, the coolest success story we've heard so far is that, uh, you know, a family that knew nothing about the Miracle League of Milwaukee was apparently listening to WTMJ to one of the features that we did. And they're all up for you to listen back to at WTMJ.com. And they're going to sign up for Miracle League this year uh, because Mm -hmm. of of the push and some of the stories they've heard from these incredible athletes. Which, you know, if if one family, and it sounds like we've got one, if one family joins, it's a success. The whole campaign's a success, which is amazing. So, um, yeah, just the the obstacles these kids have been able to overcome. And, uh, you know, it, it, bringing it back to baseball, I mean, we've spent, what, half an hour talking about baseball now, Matt. Like, it, it reminds me what I loved about the game growing up, what made me want to play home run derby with aluminum bats and tennis balls with my friends and go out for Little League. Like, it was the communal aspect and making friends. Like, the game brought us all together when we were kids, right? And it's it's the same way in American Family Field now. Like, uh, it's starting to feel like normal. We're all getting back to the ballpark, and the game is at the center of this uh, thing that's bringing us all together. The baseball is a galvanizing thing. And the fact that it can bring all these kids something really special and bring them together uh, is just the coolest thing in the world. All right, so it's like 7 o'clock right now as we're talking. When do you have to get up? Your, your alarm clock's going off in, what, how long? Yeah, the alarm goes off at, uh, at 3. I'm normally up until 8 or 9 anyway on a school night, as I call it. So uh, I, I got, I'm, I'm well, well good. I, I don't have bedtime for a couple more hours, and I can always t- catch some Zs in the middle of the day too. There you go. He has br- I've been tired since 2009, Matt. It's all good. I understand that. Wait till you have kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge sooner rather than later, but not, not that soon. I've <laughs> got a couple years left. <laughs> he is Brian Dees, the uh, sports anchor on Wisconsin's Morning News. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time. No, thank you for having me, Matt. I appreciate it.
That's Brian D. joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And again, uh, you can get all the information about uh, the America League right there at WTMJ.com. If you've got the ability to help and uh, you are moved to do so, it is a great organization and certainly would uh, encourage you to do so. All right, here's what's uh, coming up this week for the Brewers. They are going to have an off day coming up on Monday, and then they are on the road for just a quick uh, three games out before they'll get back to American Family Field as they are set to play a Tuesday-Wednesday Thursday series against Cincinnati. 6-10 first pitch on Tuesday and Wednesday before an 11:35 in the morning start coming up on Thursday. And then they're back home this weekend for a series against Pittsburgh. Again, this is the stretch of a full month from, uh, from the 28th of May to the 28th of June playing teams with records below 500. Now we'll as we sit, Cincinnati is one game under 500. They're the one team that, uh, if they play good baseball, they could potentially get above 500. But on you know the, their records as of Sunday, June 6, the Brewers still in this long period of time where they are playing all these games with sub uh, against teams with sub 500 records, and so far so good. They swept a three-game series from Washington. They split a two-game series against Detroit. They have swept a four-game series against Arizona. And now left in this period, two series against Cincinnati, two series against Colorado, and uh, one more series against Arizona in addition to one series against Pittsburgh. That Pittsburgh series will be the series coming up uh, this upcoming weekend at American Family Field. A reminder for you, we are right in the middle of a Bucks playoff run. So if you tune in to WTMJ looking for... Brewers baseball and you hear Bucks basketball all you gotta do is uh, switch your car radio or your whatever radio you happen to be listening to to the FM dial and go to 94.5 as uh, Brewers games go to sister station 94.5 ESPN follow uh, when there is a uh, conflict with Bucks basketball and we do continue to do uh, Brewers extra innings after that show as well or after that game as well on 94.5 we started that was last year no two years ago I think was the first time uh, we did that uh, when uh, when 94.5 made the uh, made the switch to ESPN, when Good Karma took over, uh, we started doing the post game show on 94.5 as well. When I first started, and uh, 94.5 was a country station when Brewers baseball was over there. We didn't do the extra show afterwards. So I'm glad to be able to do that. So make sure to check that on uh, 94.5 ESPN when uh, the Bucks are on WTMJ. Do want to say thank you to uh, Brian D for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks to you for being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.